morning is indeed from St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and can be found on page 1648 in your pew Bible. John records, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so that they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet, And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, on the second Sunday after the Epiphany, we have just read and heard John 2 and the story of the wedding in Cana. Another story I'll share with you right now. They're young newlyweds. They fled in terror. They were looking for a place to hide. And although they were newly married, their wedding already seemed like a distant memory. The wedding itself was perfect. And the two lovers were obviously created for each other. And they had received gifts beyond measure. And then they made the mistake. And they were hiding. Now they were hiding, but the sound of their pursuer, that sound came closer closer and then they heard his voice Adam where are you 
Adam and Eve, the father and mother of the entire human race, had surrendered to temptation that was offered to them by a snake. They sinned against God, and they condemned all of us to a lifetime of suffering. They drove a, an eternal wedge between God and man that threatened to destroy all that God had made. However, God had a plan. He had a plan that was older than creation itself. And even as he declared the curses that Adam and Eve and the snake had brought on themselves, God revealed his plan. Genesis 3.14, he said, The Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God promised Adam and Eve a Savior who would deliver a mortal blow to the enemy. God promised to heal their relationship with him through that Savior. The healing. The healing needed blood and lots of it. God shed the first blood and began a history of bloody sacrifice when he covered Adam and Eve's naked shame with the skins of animals. For the first book of Moses tells us in Genesis 3.21, the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of the skins and clothed them. Now blood and sacrifice... They fill the pages of the Bible. When Noah came out of the ark, he sacrificed animals to God. When Abraham arrived in the land of Canaan, he sacrificed animals to God. And when Moses sprinkled the blood of sacrifices on the people, the priest sacrificed a lamb every morning and every evening. A lot of blood. Why? all the sacrifice. Why all this blood? Well, God inspired Moses to write this in Leviticus 17, 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And God also inspired the writer of Hebrews to say this in Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Sin is very serious. Justice demands our life every time that we violate God's law. We indeed deserve nothing but punishment here in this life and forever in eternity. By rights, 
we should pay for every sin with our own blood. And it is God's mercy that put animals on the altar instead of the sinners themselves. It is God's mercy because the Old Testament sacrifices were a symbol of the way God would one day offer his own sacrifice, his very son, to satisfy the justice once and for all. Some in our culture want to convince us, maybe even uh, we try to convince ourselves, that sin is really not that serious. We might hear or say things like, everybody makes a mistake once in a while. After all, we are only human. Or boys will be boys. Others want to change the law so that sin does not exist. They might say something like, how can it be wrong if it feels so right? Or what's right for you is not necessarily right for me. Or dying is just part of living. Well, here's a truth bomb for you. Dying is not just a part of living. Dying is the curse of sin. Death is an accusation that we do not measure up to the law of God. Now, the Old Testament Christian would have no doubt that sin was serious. And every time he traveled to the temple in Jerusalem, he would see sacrifices, and he would see a lot of blood. And when he brought his own sacrifice to the Lord's altar, he would confess his sin over the animal, and then he would symbolically transfer his sins into the animal by pressing down on the animal's head. Then the animal would die on his behalf. And the blood of the animal revealed the depth of his sin. And the fact that he needed to do the sacrifice again that told him that his sacrifice was only a shadow of the one sacrifice that forgives his sin once and for all. Again, the writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So our gospel reading today is about the revelation of that once and for all sacrifice. Several thousand years after Adam and Eve's wedding, God came to another wedding. And this time, no one ran away Nobody hid from him. The only fear that they had was that they might run out of wine. And the guests did not know that God was there. They only saw Jesus, a carpenter's son. But that would soon change because he was about to reveal himself as the Lord of creation 
and the fulfillment of the words that he had spoken to the serpent all those years ago. His revelation would eventually lead to Calvary and his death on the cross. And there he would shed his blood once and for all for the sins of the whole world. And today's gospel, it's more than a simple story about Jesus helping a friend out of an embarrassing situation. It is the revelation of Jesus to his disciples. Jesus revealed himself as a prophet greater than Moses. And the disciples had grown up listening to the stories about Moses, who freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And they remembered that God revealed his power to all of Egypt when Moses changed water into blood, so that even the Nile turned to blood. And the, Jesus, and the disciples just saw Jesus do what Moses did, only he did it way better. Moses changed the water into the blood of animals. Jesus changed the water into the blood of the grape. The blood of Moses brought death. For we know in Exodus, the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. Moses gave the law, and the law condemns. The unending bloody sacrifice of the law only shows us the futility of our own efforts. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, brings life. For we are reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... Verses 23 through 25, Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me and in the same way. He also took the cup after saying, after supper saying, This is my cup, and this is the new covenant, and my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You've heard that before. Amen? The blood of Jesus is the gospel, and the gospel gives life. For where there is faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross... There is forgiveness of sins. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. The blood of Jesus' revelation is with us this very day, for we regularly hear God's words over the wine that waits on the altar every week. And when we do that, it Two becomes the true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the bread that is with it becomes his true body. This is a revelation that you can literally sink your teeth into. This is a revelation that you sip into your mouth, 
and that you taste and that you swallow. Both Jesus and Moses revealed themselves by changing water into blood, and both of their missions reached a climax when they put blood on wood. The mission of freeing the slaves in Egypt came to a climax when the children of Israel painted the blood of the Passover lamb on the wood above their doors. And the mission of freeing the world from the slavery of sin came to a climax when God himself became the Passover lamb and painted his own blood on the wood of the cross. God's sacrifice was the once and for all sacrifice that healed the separation between God and his creation. And with the Passover, God freed a nation from the slavery of Egypt through his servant Moses. And Moses remained with the new nation to guide them until they reached the promised land. And the same thing happened when Jesus died. His death freed his people, freed the church from the slavery of sin. And God raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus ascended into heaven. But before Jesus ascended, he promised that he would be with us through the church. And so now God leads his children to the promised land. And as we travel, he prepares us for one last great wedding. For with his death and resurrection, he betrothed himself to the church. And the church is now his bride. And even now, he prepares a new home for her. And when the time is right and the new home is complete, he will take her home to an eternal wedding feast. And there he shall provide all good things, and we shall never run out of anything. In the name of Jesus, amen.